she was trying to get a she was asking if we should have a mountain bike coalition and um in order to support state level policy you know and i was trying to get a mountain bike coalition in order to support these volunteer groups that are all stretched thin right and i said wow we're kind of asking for the same thing but coming at two different sides of it Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 144, we have Will Tagen. Will is the executive director of the Chugach Mountain Bike Riders, located in Alaska. If Alaska suddenly gets in her radar as a must-visit location for mountain biking, don't blame me. Blame Will and everyone else in his region who are all working together to make mountain biking in Alaska a world-class destination. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites, as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right, www.dojustsendit will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. A huge thank you goes out to the multiple people who have placed orders for Cattle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. This support definitely does not go unnoticed. I hope you are all enjoying the products that have been ordered. When you use the links found under the affiliate section at the Trail Effect website, a portion of the proceeds will help fund the Trail Effect podcast. Bonus, use the code TRAILPOD when checking out for a 20% discount on all Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Will Tagan. He is the executive director for the Chugash Mountain Bike Riders. And I love that they're mountain bike riders because we talk about a lot of mountain biking on this podcast. And that's my first love and foray into trails. And so it's awesome to have another mountain bike rider on the show. How's it going today, Will? It's good. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Will is, as you could have as you could imagine from the intro, is from Alaska, which in some regards feels like a world away from the lower 48, but you know, we're connected virtually here and we actually know a, a mutual person who Will knows that also lives where I live in the cross. And so it's an interesting ties and how we're really, you know, so close in degrees of separation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Alaska does refer to the lower 48 as outside. So, I mean, if that gives you a, a little <laughs> insight into the, into the character up here. Let's, uh, you, you had mentioned before we record that you wanted to get chatting, had a couple questions. Do you want to go into that first before we get into your backstory and everything? Or how do you want to, how do you want to proceed? Uh, no, you know, let's, let's, let's just see how it flows. So I, you, you kind of had some prompts for me. Let's just start with those prompts and then I'll, 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 it, it, this is going to be great. So sounds good. Well, let's get into your backstory, Will. Um, I know there's a lot of, we'll call them transplants from the lower 48 up to Alaska. Are you originally from Alaska or did you transplant up there from the lower 48? I am from Stillwater, Minnesota. 
So uh, that is my connections to the Twin Cities. And uh, actually, I, 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 uh, the, our lacrosse connection actually comes by way of the Gunflint Trail. I was a you know, wilderness guide up there for, for many years in my youth. Yeah. And then, you know, we've been in Alaska about 20 years, though. Um, came up here uh, kind of following uh, my in-laws. They uh, were from Minneapolis and uh, my father-in-law loved fishing and loved going north with his boat. And uh, I think like a lot of other uh, upper Midwesterners, the idea of uh, just keep heading north for the fish. And then, <laughs> and uh, they uh, landed up here and uh, kept inviting us up. And then um, I actually had a family up here as well. And so when my wife finished grad school and was looking for work, we uh, applied for a job up here and, 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 you know, followed the family. And so, you know, my, my mother-in-law still lives here. She's uh she's about five hours South of us retired down to Homer, Alaska. I, uh, just for context, we are in Chugiak, which is, uh, about a half hour North of Anchorage. So, um, uh, you know, a lot of folks, um, commute into Anchorage, uh, to work. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been great. This is a great place to to raise a family. Housing is relatively affordable. The school systems are are good, uh, and you know I'm three blocks from a million acres of wilderness, so like <laughs> I can walk out my door and just keep going for days. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, and and maybe it's the Midwest connection, but. It seems like there's a lot of people from, I'm going to say the upper Midwest, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan that have moved up to Alaska. Would that be a fair assessment? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think of the guys that I, 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 uh, I work a couple days a week at the Trek store uh, up here just to kind of get out of the house because my, my other work is, is from home and I like being social. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the guys I work with, we've got uh, a guy from Wisconsin, another guy from Minnesota, an Iowan, uh, you know, a couple Michigan boys, um, you know, mixed in with with uh, with the locals. So it's like 50 50 upper Midwest and uh, and, and uh, you know, born and raised Alaskans. Nice. Well, what originally got you into mountain biking? Uh, I mean, I had a bike as a kid and then uh, my dad in the uh, in the late. 80s early 90s i was i was finishing up um high school heading to uh heading to uh, McAllister college there in st paul and uh we went to penn cycle you know i don't know if you remember penn cycle i don't know if it's still around and uh he told me i had to get a bike so we, we looked at some nice i ended up with a with a rigid bridgestone mb5 uh that i i had for he got one too. So I ended up, you know, basically destroying my bike, uh, commuting, you know, mostly commuting just in the cities and then trashed my bike, took his trashed that bike, uh, and ended up just kind of being the young twenties moving around the country. Um, spent time in Santa Cruz, followed my wife to grad school in Philly, you know, tried Seattle for a while and. Yeah, but it was always more just kind of a, a, a hobby. Um, and it, it wasn't until, um, you know, about seven or eight years ago that I, that I got back into it. I, um, I was a competitive Nordic skier uh, when I was in high school uh, and kind of set that aside as well. And, and when we had, 
moved to Alaska and had our kids, uh, there was a really strong Nordic skiing program up here with the youth. So I got really involved back into cross-country skiing. And um, I believe it was 2015, we, we didn't get any snow up in Alaska. And uh, all my buddies were like, dude, you got to get a fat bike. Like it's the new rock skis, you know? And so uh, I was going crazy because, you know, Anchorage is is awesome if you like to do outdoor stuff. I mean, we've got everything. But as far as, you know, kind of indoor activities, it's a little limited. There's there's not a lot of concerts, you know, there's there's a few, you know, there's local bands and stuff. But, you know, that we've got two good museums, but but we don't have the uh, the 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 breadth of some of the lower 48 cities for for stuff to do. That's that's city stuff. So, you know, I, I, I picked up a fat bike and just went crazy. So, you know, signed up for the 100 mile endurance races, the Susitna 100, tried it three times, finished it once. Uh, and then some neighbors were like, let's build some single track trails. And they chose a park that's five minutes from my house. And so I was like, can I help? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, still fat biking is huge. I mean, we're kind of at the end of summer here and it, it's getting rainy out and, I, and I'm getting excited for, for fat biking season because up here, so much of our land is, is, is swampy, you know, muskeg and black spruce and peat bogs and these glacial rivers. And once it freezes up, all these you know, villages and, and, and places start connecting each other over the frozen, uh, you know, the frozen waterways and the frozen tundra. And so we, we actually open up a lot of land and it's mostly, you know, it's snow machines, which, you know, we called snowmobiles growing up. They just, that's, that's a way of transportation off the road system. And so all of these packed trails open up. And then if you're a, a biker, I mean, I can drive 20 minutes north. Uh, there's this great um, tour company that that lets us lets us park in their parking lot. I'm forgetting the name. Knick River Tours, I think it is. And then they allow this private access for for fat bikers, and we can go 10 miles up to the 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 uh, Knick Glacier. Like, just go ride around icebergs. Like, let's go, let's go on a Tuesday morning. You know, take a day off work, go ride through this vast valley. That's you know just. A, a couple hours, you know, a day trip, like it's, it's closer than going into town and going to a restaurant. Like it's, it's amazing <laughs> the stuff that we have. That's just so close to the city right here. So, um, I don't know what, what else you got? We're going to get into, we're going to get into winter riding here in a bit, <laughs> but I do like that you brought that up already. You know, that's you, you know, you got back into mountain biking at a time when mountain biking was really starting to hit its I'm going to say like it's second stride in terms of both getting popularized again, but also bike development was getting so much better. I mean, oh brakes yeah, got better 20 inch, 29 inch wheels came along, dropper posts came along, like all the things that like make it more accessible and enticing for people to do really started to come online at that point. Oh yeah. Going from a Bridgestone MB5 to like a 2000. Uh, oh, so, so basically I rode my fat bike, uh, you know, on all these trails. Cause that's the bike I had. So I did this 40 mile, you know, we have all these Alpine rides down South of town, but I guess we'll talk about that as well. But resurrection passes, it should be an Imba epic. Cause you just, 
you drive down about two hours south of town that you bike up through the woods and then you're biking through this tundra on this, you know, hiking trail, you know, from one town and over the mountains on this old mining uh, road. And then and then you come down to this historic town of Hope and you can get a burger at the end there. But, the, you know, there's probably, I don't know, 300 people in the whole town. And so I rode that the first time on my rigid mountain bike and I get down the other side and some folks in the parking lot are like, you did that on a, on a, on a rigid and they're in these full suspension bikes. And, and, and I, I you know, I, I didn't really know any better at the time. Um, but <laughs> so then upgraded to a, you know, got a, got a Bluto on the front, you know, and then I was racing in the, uh, the summer mountain bike series we have up here, uh, Arctic mountain bike puts on a great fun series. And, and as a new rider, racing is this awesome way to explore all the trail systems because they're just going to tell you where you're going to go ride that week. So, you know, they actually had a separate division for fat bikes. So, you know, it wasn't huge, but it was fun that you, you know, the single speeders and the fat bikers kind of, you know, were about the same pace. Uh, so it made it competitive and made some friends and built the community a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I was a stay-at-home dad, which is which which was a great job to have. Uh, and my wife, uh, as my kids um, grew up, my wife said, "Get a job." And so uh, a buddy of mine had retired, and I was like, "What are you doing for, in retirement?" He's like, "Actually, my wife's still working." So, so I'm working for uh, for for Trek in town. I was like, "Oh, if I have to get a job, I should probably get a fun job that doesn't pay very well." But you know, I have a I can come home with lots of shiny things. And, and, um, my wife said that's not what she meant, but she, uh, she has allowed it. Um, so, so I worked there and ended up getting a nice fuel EX, you know, and going full suspension and just, it was awesome. Just, just the, the, the trails we have around here are, are, are fairly new. Um, you know, 2007, I think was the first trails anywhere. And then our trail system opened in, 2017. So we have this beauty of um, some of these old, you know, you know, hiking kind of old school trails, but there's a lot of nice flow trails. And, and we've had uh, several different builders, you know, we've had Imba come up, we've had uh, actually Santa Cruz, a builder come up from Santa Cruz, built some awesome stuff. We've had Tarmgen trails that that used to be up here is now Oregon Coast Builders, Happy Trails out of Fairbanks. Uh, we had uh, Gravity Logic out of Whistler come up and design the Enduro trails. No, this is not all our club. These are kind of the the the, the regional clubs. Um, and then we had Nat Lopes from uh, Hill Ride design some bike parks for us. So it's been really cool, even though we're 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 so you know separated, but just um, bringing in these um, these various companies to work with the local work with the locals to really develop this this pretty cool trail system now i i know i'm getting off topic so bring me back around what where are we at <laughs> that's uh that's actually a perfect segue into the next topic which is the chugach mountain bike riders Let, let's get into the history of that organization it's a it's a pretty new organization in terms of like if you look at the you know some organizations that have been around since the 90s some you know started in the early 2000s but Chugach started maybe 5 years ago if i'm not mistaken or 6 at the at the most uh i think you know the idea was almost 10 years ago um probably started talking about it in 14 15 and then we actually had our first build in 2016 
um, opened the trails in 2017. So, so, so about six or seven years. Um, but yeah, we, we are really young. So, um, yeah, so Anchorage, you know, there was a basically about 10 years before us, I think it was 07, um, some local riders just got it, got to be in their bonnet and, uh, wanted to build some trails and, and, and really paved the way for us with, with the Muni. So the municipality of Anchorage is, is, is a combined city and, and borough or a combined city county. So, so um, we share a lot of the same, you know, city departments with them. Um, and so they really, um, you know, worked with the trail builders, worked with the Muni, got everything lined up. And, and uh, at the same time, the town to the North of us was, was, uh, you know, working on a trail system, kind of the same era about, you know, tw almost 20 years ago. And so we had this, uh, we're kind of ha halfway in between 20 minutes, 30 minutes to either trail system. And some of our locals were like, you know, I think Imba says it now, more trails close to home. They didn't want to ha have our youth have to drive everywhere. We, we had this, um, mountain bike club at the school that had been mountain biking on gravel roads and ski trails for for 20 years and they didn't have a trail system um you know the, the our, our band teacher had just coaches things and he wanted a, a spring sport and that's he kind of ran a, a a club for these kids and we're like well this is literally across across the street from the middle school I mean, there's a highway so you got to get around a little bit and we're like well we should build something focused for those kids and focus for the neighborhood and uh wow <laughs> i mean that's kind of how it started there was there was just uh some neighbors that that wanted to do it in our our, our neighborhood and we uh, got permission from the city we had a fiscal sponsor alaska trails um is is a fairly well-known statewide organization and uh but they work on all different kinds of trails their their big project now is trying to build uh, the alaska traverse which is a, a long trail going all the way from the coast up to at seward all the way to fairbanks so you know a couple hundred mile trail um and uh yeah so some buddies were started building this and i showed up to the first work party and was like you know i i i want to i want to be a part of this it's five minutes from my house and uh Kind of the 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 first the founders uh moved away and um I just was super excited and kept it going and now we've got a great team, you know, it's putting these these trails together. So you've already talked about a couple different government agencies. Going back to the start of the conversation, what is the access overall like in your region? You know, you've talked about local municipality lands. I'm I know there's a, a state park not too far from you, and then there's also a rather large uh, swath of, of federal lands like is it all uh the stuff you're doing all on local municipality land or is it kind of a composite of everything so we started on muni land um which is managed by chugiakigo river parks and recreation department um and we we have our own service area kind of outside of the anchorage bowl here we, and uh so we work directly with with the city parks on that and then we have the um basically maintenance contracts. And so we present a, a build project, they approve it, and then we do get the funding for it, make it happen. And then we have an agreement, you know, to make sure we we keep the single track trails, um, you know, safe. Um, and, and adjacent to us is 
tribal lands. So Eklutna Incorporated, uh, the native corporation up here, owns a lot of land. Also adjacent to the park is Chugach State Park, which is a, a, a giant, I don't know if it's a million acres, half million acres. I mean, it just keeps going back till it turns into glaciers. That's right along the edge of, uh, of you know, the mountains right here. And then, um, you know, north and south, there's lots of public lands. There's general state lands. There's Chugach uh, National Forest. There's the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge. So um, lots and lots of, of public and private kind of open space um, and lands around us. How has it been to, to build the partnerships with the land managers and, and the different staff that work within those different public agencies? Like how has mountain biking been accepted? Is it, you know, has there been some, some learning experiences on both ends to get things going? Yeah. So with the municipality, there was, you know, when the trails were first built, um, there was, um, there was some trail use before the trails were open and, and someone got really hurt and, and was paralyzed riding those closed trails. And, um, that almost shut down uh, mountain bike trail development um, for our region. Uh, and that actually got, you know, the city uh, planner at that time invited IMBA up to do some consulting work for us and to basically check all the trails out, make sure we're to, to standards. And, um, you know, we still are limited on kind of how big of features we can build and stuff. But that's starting to you know that that's been long enough it's been over a decade that that folks are moving forward and seeing you know new options um i mean there's builds anchorage is doing a large build we, we've got a, a some small builds going on uh, the matsu valley just north of us is just open new trails this this spring and then for our club individually you know we have been working with the municipal park but this past year we started taking on the winter grooming and some trail maintenance in the state park so we're starting to work with them more. Um, and then the National Forest, it's kind of the other side of town from us, but there's been a lot of support for the uh, finishing the, the partial trails, connecting the trails down there through the Alaska Long Trail, the Alaska Traverse. And uh, Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski has been a huge uh, supporter of basically funding these bridges. You know, we have these steep canyons you're going along the mountainside and and you hit these these little creeks that you just can't cross and so she has been finding funding for um, improving the trail system down on the federal lands down there which which is a huge huge deal for us you know those are we have a race down there called the kenai 250 that pieces together all these mountain passes um basically an endurance you know 24 hour type race down there and uh it, at the same time you know imba is working on the the biking on long distance trails act the bolt act and so we're trying to partner you know with with murkowski's office and with um with imba and be like hey we've got one of these up here and uh it's 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 mostly together we just have to you know make these little connections so yeah if folks are going to come up and bike those trails i it's it's interesting because these these um, mountain pass trails we have <clears throat> are very seasonal. If you first thing in the the summer we we hit Johnson Pass, which is an Imba epic because it melts out the first, and it's uh 26 miles. You know you just drive down an hour and a half, 
get into the mountains south of Anchorage here. You know, it's just this old hiking trail that's mining trail that's that's open to bikes. And you might cross a few snowfields, you get up to the lake, you come down the other side, and uh, you know, it's just it's just tundra, you know, you get to bike into the tundra and then you kind of finish it out. And you know, for us, this is something we do on a weekend or we just take a, a Friday. But a buddy of mine tried to ride it last week, and we have these giant um plants called cow parsnip or pushki. And they're a little photosensitive. So like if you get the sap on you, it's not like poison ivy, but if you get the sap on you, you can get little blisters. And uh, folks who try to ride it late in the season can't see the trail. I mean, these things can be six foot high with these giant like tropical leaves, you know, like and you're just like, yeah, don't don't ride Johnson Pass in 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 the fall, you know. And so the second trail that opens up would be Resurrection Pass, which is the super, which is the 40 mile trail basically Cooper Landing to Hope. If you look on the map, it, it uh, connects to the from Turnigan Arm down south to the center of the Kenai Peninsula. And that one is more, um, it's got more snow. And so it opens up mid-season, you know. So mid-season, everyone wants to ride that. There's a side trail called Devil's Creek Trail, which the Forest Service just put gravel down and hardened and brushed last year. So I mean, it's a climb like these are not this is an old mining road. So you go down the Devil's Creek Trail, which which cuts to the middle of Resurrection. You go down that and then you're like, oh, it climbs and you start climbing and you basically cross a creek and you start climbing. And and about two miles into it, I was like, is there going to be any grade reversal on this at all? Because it just goes up and up and you want to have a little break right to like at least have a little a little break going up this trail but it's not and there's you know two and a half miles there where on one of the on one of the climbing turns i was wondering am i going to fall backwards because this climbing turn is so steep it's not technical at all it's 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 just a wide old you know not wide but four foot wide trail but like what am i doing and so you do this really intense climb and then you pop out and and you're in the tundra and then it just kind of climbs gradually and you're like, wow, you know, this is amazing. And um, folks from the lower 48, it's like, I always recommend, like, have a list of things you want to do and then look at the weather because we are in a mountainous region and you're like, oh, it's raining down, down an hour south. Well, then go an hour north. You know, we've got Hatcher Pass up there and we've got, you know, Government Peak Recreation Area, which is single track. And there's these, you know, other trails you can you can bike up there. And, this time of year, the the best trail is down south out of Seward, which is called the Lost Lake Trail. In fact, oh, I'm going to I'm going to share a not secret spot because it's on Trail Forks and it's on MTB Project. But if you go to if you go look at Freehub, they just came out with this great movie about an Alaska adventure. And I'm like, oh, that's the trail we do kind of when when we can sneak out of work, you know, in August. Like it's you just go to Seward, uh, you park fire station and you just. Once again, you just climb up. And I got to tell you, with the Muni, they're super, super picky about hazards and stuff. But the Forest Service, man, you you bike through this one section that maybe is five feet wide and it's gravelly. And you look down and there's a sheer cliff going down, I don't know, 70 feet to like rapids down below. And that's just the trail. And there's no sign and there's no guardrail. And I'm like, is this normal or is this just Alaska? Like. If you're going to hike on an old road, you you got to, you know, 
anyway, you go through, you got to push through some of the, some of the devil, uh, I'm sorry, the cow parsnip, but you know, maybe just 15 minutes of it, not like the whole ride. And then you pop out and you're on this, <laughs> you're on this tundra plateau, looking down at this lake, looking back at the ocean, Resurrection Bay out of Seward. But I mean, watch the weather, go on a blue sky day, come to Alaska, have your list of like, here's the 10 things I want to do. Which one is not raining? Because man, our fall starts end of July and our snow doesn't melt till mid-June. So you really got to kind of like, there's not one time that you can do everything. So anyway, one, one of the things that we are working on up here is, uh, it is really trying to, and I know I'm skipping around on you, is really trying to build a coalition. And I'll talk about this more later, but build a coalition because right now we have all these little, uh, you know, groups that have their own little single track trail system, but we don't have a group that's watching these federal lands. We don't have a group that is watching these, helping out these small communities um, around town. So we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, so that's South. Uh, and that's that that's basically the the big tundra rides. And of, of course, we've got a uh, heck, you want me to keep going or you have a question in here? No, I want to get into we're going to we're going to come back to that. So so hold your thought. I want to get into building specifically and like kind of how building is done up in Alaska, whether it's volunteer built, professional built, a mix of both, like what, you know, what you, you threw out some trail companies earlier. Like what is like, what's the general, I guess, temperature, how, how are things actually getting done up in your region? Yes. Yeah. So there's, uh, as far as I know, there's four main trail companies up here and they're, they're kind of specialized. So we have, Interior Trails, which is uh, came out of uh, they're out of Healy, which is Denali National Park, and they um, they're kind of the hand built uh, remote trails. They really specialize in logistics, so um, not so much mountain bike trails. But I do want to give them kudos because they have done some work for me doing planning and design. Um, really, really high quality professional trail builder um, association. But if you have a a million dollar project and you need to helicopter in like those are the people i've had that, christine that, christine bile on the on the show oh yeah christine's awesome she's actually so, from michigan oh my gosh those guys so um yeah so christine and gabe are awesome and it, it's such a you're talking about degrees of separation uh my buddy uh who's the president of the trail crew uh trail uh organization just uh north of us um you know grew up with with uh with Gabe so you know uh i think in pennsylvania so uh yeah so interior trails highly recommended um there's a new trail company called professional trails uh they have um basically adopted this new uh lift access bike park in Anchorage. So they are building the lippy dirt jumper, you know, gravity trails. Um, and they're pretty aggressive riders. Uh, the owner I think is from Bellingham and, uh, yeah, they, um, they like to build what they like to ride, which is kind of free ridey higher end stuff. And, and it's been a little adjustment for our community because we haven't had any of that. And we're trying to figure out the progression where we can build some trails in between the flow bike park, Burmy stuff and this free ride stuff. So, so that's something that we, we have an opportunity for is to kind of, is kind of to build trails in between those two. 
There is a trail company, Geo Contracting. I don't work with them very much. They're out of um, Girdwood. They're the ones who have been doing all the Kenai uh, work, those kind of those trails I was talking about, um, doing the bridges. Um, and the thing that I love about them is they also, they're connected with Bikewood, uh, the, the bike club out of Girdwood, which is the ski, ski town just 45 minutes south of Anchorage. So they're building these multi-use forest service trails, but they are like rowdy mountain bikers on their own. So we we have this new trail called the Turnigan Pass Trail, which is the closest one to town. And uh, you basically drive up to where the skiers get off and then it's like a six mile downhill back towards uh, towards the ocean. And um, it's got great flow. You know, it's got grade reversals. It's got a few rolling grade dips. It's got some beautiful bridges that these guys put in. and so. You know, not uh, the just really interesting seeing their work. I don't I don't work with them directly, but I see what they've done. And, and I think that's great. Um, and then I'll get, you know, save. I should say the best for last. But but Happy Trails is our single track builder in the state. They're out of Fairbanks. They have a great crew. They've got two riders, Ryan Grief, who is uh, out of Anchorage. He's uh actually on the the board of the the Anchorage Mountain Bike uh club there and then we've got Kevin Murphy uh who is probably one of the best riders in the state doing the the crew there and those two have um built a lot of the modern flow trails kind of open sweeping berms big jumps that the Anchorage is known for they were they partnered with Gravity Logic out of Whistler maybe five years ago to come up and design these enduro trails uh, right in Anchorage. And there's actually shuttle access for those folks that like the gravity. You can drive up into one neighborhood and just, you know, keep repeating. But uh, so they really kind of took on some of that, what I think is a Northwest flair, bike parky flair for some of their jumps. Uh, We had them come out. And so getting to your question the long way, uh, we hire them to come out and build our berms and build our jumps. And, and a, a lot of that is, um, you know, liability for anything big, right? And the other part of it is, you know, there's this natural evolution of the trail building community. When you first start building your trails, you don't have any money and you have a lot of excitement. And I'm, you've maybe seen this before. And man, when we did our first build, I don't know if we had 13 build days, like twice a week in the rain, everybody turned out. We were all, we had a professional trail builder, but he, he, he just, uh, this was Ptarmigan Trails who used to be up here. They're, they're doing some great work on the Oregon coast right now. Um, Eddie Kessler, um, was, was a driving force up here for several years. He was approaching, you know, volunteers and interest, interested individuals and kind of doing layout for free to start jumpstart these projects and um he has since relocated down to the the oregon coast and is doing amazing amazing development down there so yeah this evolution has gotten you know more and more professional and less and less volunteer uh and we also have a lot more trail systems you know and um so we still have our volunteer days, but we hire uh, this year. We hired Happy Trails to come in and um, 
we have them do the build and do a, a first contractor sweep. And then we use our volunteers to make it pretty. So our volunteers will go in and they'll pull all the, you know, the stumps should be scattered. We do a lot of um, fairly, I'd say, you know, building in the wood style where we're not making it totally pretty. We're, we expect it to grow back in about two years and it does, but we're scattering the stumps and we're pulling the branches. Um, hauling out the firewood, giving that free to folks. Um, so we really have the trail builders come in and, and build the tread, clear the basic ha hazards, scatter the big stuff, and then our volunteers come in and, and tidy it up. And, and then our volunteers also, we do a really, um, we do have a commitment with our maintenance contract to do a hazard sweep every year. So every spring we come in, we clear all the drains, we open up, you know, the swales, but the trails, once they get hardened up here and ridden on for a few years and, and those um, swales stay open are pretty good. They don't need a lot of attention. The trail systems north and south of us have a lot of grass, so they do need to brush. And they have actually started fundraising and writing grants to hire a, a, a contractor to brush them. It's just the volunteers are stretched thin, man. And um we're focusing more on, you know, planning and getting the, uh, you know, approval for our projects and fundraising and then hiring the, uh, the professional trail builders to do a great job. And then often for grant matches, you know, the, the federal government gives us what, almost $30 an hour, uh, for volunteer labor for a grant match. So, I mean, if we need to come up with, $15,000, that's where we bring our volunteers in and say, hey, guys, two hours, that's 60 bucks credit for us. You know, we need this. Do you want to donate your time or your money? Uh, we'd like both. So, yeah, it is evolving and it's becoming more fundraising. It's becoming more professional. So, I, um, you know, our club has raised, you know, a million dollars over the past seven years. And it got to a point where I told I was president for many years and I told the board, I was like, I cannot volunteer 20 hours a week anymore, like just for my family life. You know, my wife is not, that's not okay with her. And so I said, you know, we've, we've been reinvesting in the club and saving and we have enough funding now that, you know, you could hire an executive director for, you know, 10 hours a week, 15 hours a week. Um, so that we could actually manage these projects. You know, and so um, the board did do a search and I was lucky to be hired. Uh, I still work probably 10 hours more than I'm paid for a week, but it helps my family life when I'm sitting doing club business that I <laughs> at home, which is also hard. If my wife is off that day, I just turn to her and be like, hey, I'm on the clock. It's OK. <laughs> like I'm doing work. I'm getting paid for this. And, and you know, just for that aspect, like. Not only does it greatly leverage what our volunteers can do, but it also really helps me as a former volunteer to, to be able to donate more time, you know, and the way it's I'm trying to set it up is that our club is still a volunteer club. You know, we've got one less than halftime employee, but, you know, I make sure that that the QuickBooks is updated, you know, do, do all the I was doing receipts this morning. I wrote a grant yesterday. I'm going to go do a trail inspection today. I'm going to do the Facebook page for setting up the, the trail crew. I'm reminding the board that they have to have their elections next month, you know, so just 
admin, but also direction for the club. And I think this is a key thing that makes it different. You know, some clubs out there might be saying, do, do we need, we, let's just hire a contractor to do this work. And some of the other, many of the other clubs around here have hired a, an admin person. You know, an admin person as a contractor doesn't actually take direction from the board or provide direction to the board. They just do the thank you notes and they make sure the books are good. If you want someone to give direction and um, take direction, that that is an employee. And so we're having this discussion statewide of all these volunteer groups are are tapped out. They're all spread thin. They've all been having bake sales, you know, to to support their their trail development. And we're kind of at that. It sounds like from your interviews, a lot of places are at this step of of hey, let's hire a staff person. Let's go for some bigger grants. Let's professionalize this. Um, and it's a it's a paradigm shift for folks. You know, we, we're 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 this is this is our other project is is trying to make this happen it it is a paradigm shift and i think any community that you know sees their trail systems grow and and realize the assets assets that they provide to the community get to a point where like and i and i've said this even in my community like if we want more stuff done we need people doing stuff paid during work days, just like we're getting paid for our work during work days, you know, relying on a, a volunteer night a month or a volunteer night a week, you know, for X amount of months or weeks out of the year, you can only get so far. Right. And that goes from the building and maintenance side, but also like the part that gets forgotten, which is everything you just described, the, all the book work, all the other little loose ends that you don't even think about, like setting up the Facebook page stuff, sending thank you cards, doing QuickBooks, all that stuff. Right. Yeah, the hardest part is when it is a combined event. Like if we have a volunteer night and I show up and I'm doing the same work as the volunteers, or I ask one of my trail crew leads to, you know, haul the tool trailer out or do the sign up. And then I show up with the snacks and I'm getting paid. Like it just, it, it still feels a little weird. Like all my buddies are volunteering. I can get paid for the admin stuff. But then once I start, you know, intermingling, then it, it it's a little weird because other folks are are volunteering and, you know, uh, like we're putting on an event and I'm like, we need to budget some funding for staff. And, you know, five out of seven people are volunteers and two are executive directors with their various groups. And then it's it's just a little uncomfortable. Like we're still evolving kind of that Everyone knows it it works, but if you're volunteering and someone's getting paid and someone isn't, it's it's uncomfortable. I think I said that like 10 times. <laughs> but the reality is, is like, you know, like you said, you're not even full time, you know, and you're probably donating as many hours as you're getting paid for. And so like, yeah, you might get paid to haul the trailer there, but then you go walk into the woods, you're a volunteer, just like that person that just got, doing, got done doing his or her accounting job or something else somewhere else, right? Well, no, I mean, I count, I, I would count that time, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing bike club stuff, I, I put it on my, you know, timesheet. Okay. But that being said, my timesheet this week has 25 hours on it and I'm salary. So I'm salary at 15. So yeah, it's exactly. Um, it's, know, it'd be, it'd they're be, getting, they're getting a good value. We'll keep, we can put it that way. 
Yeah, I'm I'm basically paid, you know, a third less. Um, but but I am on the clock. Uh, as you can tell, this is like a personal conflict with me. And, and I've may, had these personal conflicts some, myself, so I get it. <laughs> maybe we need some 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 other folks who have gone through this. And and this is part of the the talk. You know, we're trying to go statewide with the other groups that that are considering like, yeah, where is the value, and how do we make this? You know, how do we value people's time? How do we make this more professional? Yeah. Well, you said event more than once, and we have an event here coming up. And so let's go into that topic. And I'm going to circle back to some other stuff that was before event, but this is a good time to get into the second Alaskan Mountain Bike Summit, which is to be held on October 14th and 15th. Let's talk about, well, let's talk about the first summit and how that went over and how that's parlayed into the second summit. So the first summit was absolutely amazing. It was seven years ago. And so uh, Alaska Trails who, um, you know, it's a small town. We're all friends. Um, their executive director is a, is a great friend of mine, but they focus on all different kinds of trails. They, um, I think when the Jacuti came out, the guidelines for quality trail experience, um, we actually have a BLM um, science center in town, in, in the city of Anchorage here. Yeah, nice. So the BLM I has, has, uh, you know, a vested interest and some funding to get this information out. So I, I think it was a BLM and Alaska Trails kind of sponsored event where they brought IMBA up to uh, Kincaid Park, which is uh, right out at the edge of edge of town going out towards the inlet. Um, and there's a large uh, single track system built by single track advocates there. And um, they invited everybody and they made it really cheap. And we all got together and we all got to talk about our projects and we got a training on the Jacuti and we went for group rides and everyone said, this was awesome. We should do it again. And the next year we had a little slideshow and um, it wasn't as great, you know, so that one we just call it considered a slideshow. And, and um, this past uh, winter, um, there's a. There's another group I'd like to give kudos to. It's the Alaska Outdoor Alliance with with Lee Hart. She is um, kind of comes at the opposite side of this, and and she um, is building, you know, a network of for the outdoor industry. Let's say so. She works a lot with landowners and and all these other companies that that are based off the outdoor outdoor recreation industry. And she's very policy oriented. You know, trying to get our score. And putting on, she puts on the Confluence Conference, which is going to be late September up in Fairbanks to get everyone together to talk about the the outdoor recreation industry. And so she was trying to get a, she was asking if we should have a mountain bike coalition and um, in order to support state level policy, you know, and I was trying to get a mountain bike coalition in order to support these volunteer groups that are all stretched thin, right? And I said, wow, we're kind of asking for the same thing, but coming at two different sides of it. And um, so we got uh, kind of the major clubs together on Zoom calls all winter. And um, so we had Anchorage, Chugekiko River, the Matsu Valley, which is the main um, community just north of Anchorage, past us. Uh, we had Juno on there, you know, Fairbanks was invited, but if you include those towns, I mean, you're at what, 
75% of Alaska population being represented. And we tried to figure out how are we going to do this? What are we going to set up? And we had all these ideas and we said, you know what? Like, we just got to get everybody in the same room to kind of like figure out what folks are interested in and support each other, you know, at the club level, but also acknowledge we have this state level lobbying that's not happening. And if we're going to level up and move from our, uh, move from our bake sales, we need to go for funding, you know, parks and rec funding. And, um, and that's going to take some, some unity and some voice, you know, and talking as, as one, you know, mountain bike, Alaska mountain bike community. So we kind of have those two pillars. And then the third pillar is what I was talking about before. We have trails that are not represented by um, local clubs. And they're used by mountain bikers. Um, we also have communities that are building small bike parks that we don't know about. And we'd love to be able to help these small communities and and tell them our experience of getting these through. And so kind of those three pillars, you know, supporting the, the small clubs, um, state level and federal level advocacy, and then representation for, for areas that are outside the existing clubs. Those are three needs that we identified. And so we chose a location in the population center, but outside of Anchorage. We're going to be up in Palmer, about oh, 45 minutes north of Anchorage at the Government Peak Recreation Area, which is kind of their showcase single track system. They just built the first publicly open double black diamond or single black, double black, uh, maybe single black, but gap jump. Uh, line that you can just ride without having to pay any money uh, at a bike park. Um, they're at the base of the Hatcher Pass Recreation Area, which is this, I mean, it's got granite head walls and glacial lakes, and there's an old gold mine up there, and people can drive over the pass and hike the tundra. So it's 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 a kayaking down the river. I mean, it, it's not officially a park, but it's a public use area, and it is it is a park. You know, there's a new ski area going in there, like a little community size one. They just built their first bike path. There's going to be a high elevation connector between these two sites. So that's not our project. That's my buddy. Uh, my buddies in the valley, we call it a uh, project. But yeah, so we picked this awesome site. And uh, then I have enough connections with the local trail building clubs that before we announced it, I said, hey, was everybody commit to uh, sponsoring this? And, you know, we asked. Uh, we asked, you know, hey, can all these clubs chip in a thousand bucks and we'll give you five registrations to, to show up, you know, kind of like bulk registration. So we have critical mass and all the trail building clubs in in the area agreed. Then we approached the youth mountain bike programs. We've got three or four, you know, youth mountain bike programs with almost a thousand youth mountain bikers. And we asked them to commit as well. And so then all of a sudden we had funding and we had people agreeing to show up. And uh, then we said, all right, how are we going to uh, actually manage this, <laughs> manage this, this thing that we have suddenly set up? We've rented it. We've invited people. We got the funding. We wrote some grants, the local Matsu Parks and Trails Foundation and the Matsu Health Foundation, the BLM, once again, all gave us small grants, a couple grand here and there. And so, you know, who has done this before? Who has helped put together a statewide coalition, right? And uh, 
Well, we look to IMBA again, the International Mountain Bike Association. They have, you know, 250 chapters and they've been helping with the coalitions in Colorado, Oregon, California. And uh, we met with John Cox and Anthony Duncan kind of over several months. And we have hired them to come up and, and basically facilitate. One of the things that I really appreciated about IMBA is they have their model but they said that's not the goal of, you know, this is not a recruitment, uh, you know, opportunity. They obviously, I expect they will, they will share their services that they offer. Um, and I think some of our local clubs will, will take them up on that. The, the IMBA local program basically runs your membership database for you and sends out all your thank you letters for you and does all that administrative stuff. You know, I know the club to the south of us has an administrator. I'm hired here, but the club to the north of us lost their administrator, lost their executive director. And they're like, oh, we can just pay Imba to do our do all of our administrative stuff. Like it's it's a much better deal than it used to be with with the old chapter system. So so Anthony's going to be coming up and uh, presenting what other states have done for coalitions and they kind of have their experience um putting these things together so we can have the small groups and and the and the discussions and and any funding that we have left over from this uh, mountain bikes two-day summit will then be um you know reinvested into continuing the discussion for you know into the future hopefully setting up some kind of web presence and and um at least a minimal amount of of continuing support contact so um we've we have a uh bought a domain mtbsummit.com so wow that <laughs> that's interesting that that was available yeah um it's but, not even mtb you know, summit of, alaska it's just mtv summit you could be like anywhere in the world i know so if anyone else has an mtb summit and they would like to once again create a coalition of all the mtb summits uh you know we could do that i mean it'd be awesome <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, so we're we're super excited about this, Um, you know, just getting everyone in the same room and finding out what these towns three hours away are doing. And, you know, we're all doing kids programs. We all have our own curriculum. We all have our own coach training. Like, let's let's share let's share the the knowledge and and build something stronger. Yeah, for sure. And that that sounds like a that that sounds like an incredible summit. You know, I've. I've done a few Imba things in in my day, I guess you could say, and and whatnot. And they do provide a really good they do provide a really good service, and they do have a ton of experience on their staff. And so, and it and it sounds like they've had a presence up there in the past too. So it's good to continue that relationship with you guys. Yeah, it's been on and off. You know, the uh, the club north of us originally was an Imba chapter back twenty years ago, uh, and then they kind of split off, and then we've had them up two other times, but. Um, you know, I talk to folks around and they don't know what IMBA is up here. You know, unless it's someone like I talked to someone from the South. He's like, oh, yeah, Sorba, you know, like they know what's going on. Yeah, Sorba is probably the poster child for a, for a, not a, just a statewide, but a region like seven statewide organization that's really got their got their stuff dialed. Yeah. And, and you know, Alaskans are not joiners. They're a little bit leery of uh, especially of outsiders telling us what to do. So. I think it's going to be awesome, but you know, there's some, there's some convincing to tell folks like, Hey, we brought up gravity logic. Hey, we brought up hill ride for the bike parks. Hey, we brought up, you know, 
Santa Cruz to build. We've we have brought up Imba at least four times, and every time it's been great. So, guys, it's this is like this is going to help us out. Yeah, and 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 especially what I really like is the partnerships you've created and the and the relationships with the different trail organizations. Um, I think you know, and the, I don't want to I don't want to turn this. I'm going to preface this. I don't want to turn this negative, but it's like recently it's, it's been brought to my attention through various means in various regions that there's still some kind of like infighting within trail, within trail users. And, and I mean, mountain bikers, not other users, but within mountain bikers and sometimes within trail orgs. And it, it's like, we're our own worst enemy. And so when I, when I hear all this, you know, getting together, creating partnerships, creating coalitions, it makes me really happy to, to know that we can, we can share that knowledge that, Hey, like we're, we're better off together, right? We might have a little bit difference of what we like for trail styles or whatever that might be, or maybe somebody wants to ride a more bigger travel, full suspension bike or whatever, but, and get into the details. But the reality is we're all here to mountain bike and use trails and have a great experience, right? Yeah. Well, you know, this, this came up early in our conversations, you know, when I was talking to some of my buddies in the, uh, in the other groups and they're like, we, we don't want to join in, but we, we, we want to make an Alaska thing we don't we don't want to be part of part of that and you know imba with the whole you know wilderness argument there was some folks still who don't pay a lot of attention kind of have this bad taste and and i tried to i tell folks here's an example for the locals up here we have the we have a wilderness area behind in eagle river here it's it goes up the eagle river valley however there is a maintained trail through that wilderness Actually, Interior Trails, Christine and Gabe are going to be doing a one and a half million dollar project this next summer, fixing that trail up. Well, you can't fix a trail in the wilderness. So if you look at the map, there's a wilderness area and then there is a trail through the wilderness that is not wilderness. So they changed the wilderness boundaries so that and this is this is state. Yeah, this is state wilderness. It's administrative. It's not it's not national. So. So they basically said, we have a wilderness, but then we have a trail going through there that we're going to fix up. And everybody thinks it's awesome. Like, we have enough muddy, janky fall line trails around here and washed out sections. Like, yeah, we would like that to be. I mean, they run a marathon on it. Like, we'd like to not twist our ankles. Like, it can still be remote and beautiful, but, you know, a bridge would be okay. Yeah. And so this idea that I've seen Imba taking where it's like, hey, let's instead of throwing out the baby with the bathwater and just gutting the whole wilderness system, let's just work on individual projects and like fix one trail at a time. And I was like, this is this is exactly what we do up here. Folks probably don't even know that's what we do up here, but it works. It works. It's a great, great solution. So anyway, that's my little rant on uh, <laughs> on. On let's do things that work, you know, and not have this like, oh God, they're they're doing it this way and we have to do it that way. Like let's just there's always a way to make it work. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe it's taking a little piece of an ingredient from one way and another piece of an ingredient from another way and, and making it, you know, blending them together and making it work for you, right? Or what that your community. Yeah. Yeah. So and the other thing that I'm really excited about Imba for is we have so many federal lands up here that I, you know, who do we look to for national level policy in mountain biking? And and that's and that's Imba. And uh, I would really like them to know more about what's going on on our national forests and, and our national parks and our other federal lands. I mean, we have a lot of lands that are designated federal uh, national preserves up here, which may be unique to Alaska, which 
basically is kind of in, it's like national park light where you can still have more wheeled access and motorized access and hunting um but it's still a protected land like what about those you know um and it's not that we you know what we're really looking for is is just trying to connect a lot of the existing trail systems you know we're not looking to you know have trails in places that we're not using or places that don't work but but there are a lot of these little trails that you know you ride it and then you gotta i mean let's look at our town right here so this is a great project we're working on i didn't talk about this yet and that is we built this awesome you know six seven miles of single track we've got a bike playground which is a little you know nice nice one of the best pump tracks i've I've ridden, you know, nice, big two and a half foot rollers, three foot rollers. Kids on Strider bikes love it. I will tell you, if you build a pump track, make the rollers big. They're way more fun, even for the little kids. Um, we uh, had progressive bike ramps, um, you know, once a year, or every other year, they'll do a big shipment for Alaska and all the different groups will, will go in on shipping. You know, we've got a bunch of hardened jumps from them and skills features. And, and that's right at the parking lot of our of our main trail system which also has a picnic area and a lake. So like all these people, a lot of folks actually from from Anchorage will drive out on the weekends and then they will have their lake time, do the boats, you know, splash in the water. And more and more they're, more they're like, let's also bring the bikes, you know? And so we're creating this area that serves not only our local kids, but also serves the region, especially for the younger kids just getting into it. Because you have a little bike playground. You don't have to go deep in the woods where there's the bears and the moose and I mean, not often, but yeah, there are bears and moose and you can just kind of play with them. I mean, the Strider bike kids, we did a little tiny tot track and the pump track and the number of kids that are pushed up that pump track on their on the back of their bikes and they just strider down it. I was like, I did not imagine this is this is what was going to happen. And then, you know, you can pop off into the woods and have our, you know, we've got a beginner trail system and then kind of an inter light intermediate flow or, or old single track. And then we built two kind of bike parky, big berm, you know, big jumps, um, but it's all tabletop. It's all rollable. I mean, the tallest jump is, I don't know, it's over my head. It's a natural glacial feature. So it's a tabletop and all the dirt was there already. So they just, they just found this natural, like little, I don't know if it was a, a drumlin or what it was, but that this natural little little mound or an esker, maybe an esker. And, they, and so there's a jump that goes up and then it's nice and flat. And then it just runs down the other side and it's huge and it's tabletop, you know, and we didn't have to dig up any dirt. So this amazing park system that we've built is a mile past the end of the bike path from Anchorage. We're 23 miles north of town. The, the bike path ends at like mile 22. and then. And then you either have to cross under the highway or you have to go down this little road with no shoulders and like a guardrail. So you can't even ride in the grass. And then the town to the, the neighborhood to the north of us, uh, Thunderbird Falls has, uh, I, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a medium sized development, maybe a small development, but there's only one access to it from the park or from the school. And that is the, the highway. There's no secondary road. There's no bike path. So like, are you telling me we built we built this awesome park that connects to the middle school, but it doesn't connect to the kids that live adjacent to the park? And so 
we have been pushing really hard not only to build single track trails but also to build these greenbelt trails and connections and you know it's a little hard when you come to the mountain bike community and say hey we want to build a, a an eight foot wide hardened gravel trail you know someone say you're building a sidewalk i'm like that's how you get more trails close to home yeah you build the trail connecting so we uh so this year we just finished up we built a three-quarter mile loop right kind of next to the single track it 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 actually can be used as a shortcut to get to the jump lines that i think is it's going to be awesome it's it's you know eight to twelve inches of crushed rock and crusher finds and uh you know, we have a lot of dog walkers and, and our single track is open to whoever wants to be on it. And I'm hoping that if we build this awesome three quarter mile crushed gravel loop that the dog walkers are going to be like, this is this is great. This is smooth. This is easy. I can walk shoulder to shoulder and talk with someone like when you're a single track, you're in a single file line. Like our, our trick for our signs. I'm sorry, our plan, our policy for our signs is they're multi-use, but we put a little bicycle on every trail intersection on that trail name so that folks, when they come up to it, they know like this is a this is a bike optimized trail. And we don't have any words, we don't have any rules, but we do have that little that little give you notice, like this is where you are. And I mean, it's been super effective. People know when you're on the narrow trails, it's watch out for bikes. So our next big project, we're actually trying to build more of these um, multi-use gravel trails throughout the park system and to get more people out. Uh, and we have actually, I think, um, built, you know, we're building the first fat bike optimized or fat bike trail. I forget what it's called, but uh, when you build a trail, there has to be a, a design versus use. What is that? Parameters, design parameters. Yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah, so, so it's going build... pre- so to be optimized for fat biking. Yeah, but beginner fat biking. So here's the problem we have. We have, um, <clears throat> you know, you have single track, which is, which is, you know, is fun, but it's not really beginner. And then you have bike paths on the road. And I think legally those have to be plowed, right? If it's a paved bike path next to a road. Paved. Yeah, probably. I don't yeah, know how so it is in Alaska, bike... but probably. Yeah. All we have is paved bike paths that get plowed like every two weeks. So they're just icy and gross and unusable and they're not packed down for fat biking. So it's like, it's the absolute worst management possible, like a poorly plowed path. I would I, just pack it down with a snowmobile, you know, or just grade it. Like then we can ride on top of it or walk on top of it. It's just, it's horrible. So, but for some reason they feel like they have to do that. And so then we go to a ski trail. All oh, ski trails, those have the right surface, but a ski trail grade, I think can go up to 15 or 20%. There's no way you're going to have someone riding their bike a beginner riding their bike up there so we worked on this a long time and we basically came up with some specs that are i think the the first specs i could find no one has specs for a a fat bike you know uh design use and it's it's pretty it sounds like the specs that you would maybe have for like even easier than beginner trail which would be white circle trail yeah yep it is similar so so we kind of modified the specs for a a paved pedestrian path modified the surface to a a crushed crushed gravel we call it an e1 uh, mix where it's crushed gravel crushed fines but they add in some d1 or some three quarters uh minus so you have a few big rocks in there to hold it together it's not as slushy and we put a crushed three inch minus below that 
think the specs will be eight inches and four inches. Um, it's hard to find these specs, so I'm saying them on the show now. And then, uh, yeah, but then, you know, the des- because the design uh, parameter is fat biking, it's not, um, that allows us to manage it as a groomed trail in the winter, you know? So it's, you know, it's these federal regulations you got to work around, but we're super, super excited. Well, that brings us back around to what we were going to talk about earlier. And I knew we'd get back here somehow, but that's winter riding. So let's quickly get through your, like your winter riding, what you guys use for uh, grooming equipment. I know, you know, some place you talks like what you just talked about. sounds like it's wide enough to use a snowmobile with a, with an attachment on the back, but maybe you'd use some, uh, snow dogs or roll cons, you know, different, different devices that can be seen throughout the lower 48 as well. Yeah. So this new trail we're building, it's, it's in a park called Beach Lake Park and it is adjacent to the Nordic ski trails. So we've uh, designed it for a piston bully 1000, uh, which is a 10 foot wide track or 100, 100, 100. Yeah. I don't know if there's a 1000 yet. 100 is a small. Sorry. Is there, is there Nordic rumor? Thank you. I was only one zero off. Uh, the piston bully 100, which like is a, a super piston bully. <laughs> 10 foot track, but he needs 12. The groomer needs 12 feet to manage. So, so our grub on these trails is, is 10 foot wide, you know, filled with the gravel, but then clearing to 12 feet. So our, our hope is that that works because these fat bike trails will, will also, these beginner fat bike trails will also be open to, um, you know, to, to dog walkers and they'll be open to, uh, you know, skijorers and, and they will be multi-use and, the way that we man- it's managed in Anchorage is it just gets groomed often, like twice a week, you know, in order to manage that. And after it's a big snow, it gets post hold, and then just the use and the grooming packs it down to a pretty firm base. So it's it's not great for skiing, but it's really good for fat biking. On our, uh, there is a lot of snow machine or snowmobile, just track, you know, not necessarily with a drag behind it, but lots and lots of track. Um, I know the group north of us has a Yellowstone single track uh, drag that they pull behind it. Um, we use uh, the cheese grater, uh, expanded, expanded metal, expanded steel, uh, yeah. drag, expanded steel drag, just to like chop off that top level uh, behind a snow dog. Really? Yeah. Often it's just a uh, yeah because I mean after a big dump you get a post hold channel and then you mm-hmm. have this like foot high like hard surface and you just need to like shave that hard pack I'm snow not, down and fill the channel up. I might need to have you send a photo of that when we're done cuz I'm curious to see what that looks like. There was some guy in Minnesota who always put it on the Facebook. I think there's a fat bike grooming there is. group. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah, he is. posted it on there and I was like, "Well, I can't ship that up here." So, you know, we just Ask some retires guys to weld something together and it's, it's not fancy. And then, so, uh, the group, yeah, the group, uh, yeah, it's a generally a mix of snow machine, often just a sled drag or a snowmobile for everybody else and snow dog. Yeah. Grooming. And we just try to get out there pretty often because our trails are multi-use. I know north of us, they're kind of more single use. They, they get more snow than we do. And so it's harder for them to pack up that, that really firm base. And then Anchorage has an army of snowshoers. Like, holy cow. There's, oh, and of course, 
They even had a Facebook drama about snowshoeing last year. Like, how wide do you need? Is it three snowshoes wide? And how do you pack it? And somebody ran over the trail edge of snowshoed. And I mean, the problem we had last year is we had this big dump and then it got really cold. So we had sugary snow. So people would go snowshoe and it would get destroyed. Like, you really need a wet, wet snow. But look at Anchorage, go on to Trail Forks and then hit winter map. And it just like the spider web doubles and it's almost all just unsanctioned snowshoers and they build what i believe is the best i believe it is the best fat biking network in the world because it is literally like in the neighborhoods tucked up against the mountain there's this park called uh far north bicentennial park and and it's basically the edge of town with a high high population and just all the neighbors just create like this year, we're going to do a windy trail. And this year it's going to be like, so it's just like rolly, fun, single track. Some of it's tight. Yeah. And it's like when folks come to town and they talk about Anchorage, they're like, oh, Anchorage is a fat bike town. I'm like, does it doesn't every town have a huge fat bike scene? Like, oh, no. Like this town is like just like after work, like the trails are loaded with fat bikers like that's what we do in the winter up here especially when the skiing's bad like just it's there's burn barrels there's group rides there's like women's hot chocolate rides there's like beer rides there's like i mean it's mostly on facebook there's shop rides like it's just crazy and then and then the glacier rides you're like is the river frozen yet? Is it frozen? Like, you don't want to fall through a glacial river, go under the ice. Like, you're dead. So everyone's like, waiting, 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 wait. Okay, it's frozen. Let's go. And, you know, the snow could be deep. So you're like, oh, don't go today. Or it's, you know, um, yeah. And then there's all these endurance athletes. Like, I don't know. Has everyone in the whole country become overachievers? Like, the amount of, like, these these people, these men and women who can just, like, I'm just going to go ride my bike to, to Nome. It's, it's only a thousand miles, you know, like my boss did that last winter. Like it was his second time. First time he had great conditions, thought it was awesome. Second time he came back and said, not recommended. You know, yeah, I could imagine every year it's like a whole different, it's a whole different adventure and it could be awesome and it could be horrible. Yeah. And then the armchair athletes are like, well, there's a hundred mile, 24 hour race. Like I should, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to do it. Like, did you train this year? Like, nah, I'm just going to, I think it'll be fine. You know, and these are not like, it's not like there's any road access. Like, I mean, you just, let's just pedal out off the road system. And there's some dog mushing trails and snow machine trails out there. And just, let's just kind of ride around and, oh, it's two in the morning and it's 20 below. Well, I guess I'll just keep pedaling. Like there's no, there's no bailout points. Oh, actually, there's one at mile 60. This is the Susitna 100. It's, it's a qualifier for the Iditarod Trail Inf uh, Invitational, which is the 350-mile the, the and 1,000-mile one. And there's a, there's a lodge at mile 60, and that is the hardest checkpoint ever because, well, there's warm food, and there's a warm bed, and there's people with cars. Like, once you leave that— Easy to not go back out. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to not go back out because it's probably the next morning. You know, you start at nine in the morning. You probably get there like two in the morning and, you know, you have to go out for another 40 miles. And uh, yeah, highly recommended. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it could be raining. It could be 20 below. I mean, but 
the race director is it's an unsupported race but they've got uh tents like check-ins uh checkpoints every 20 miles so you know like i mean one year i pushed my bike for 10 hours but i got to the checkpoint you know like you can get you're not stuck overnight you just you can push if you need to i've got a friend of mine that did the whole gnome trip in 1989 and was one of the first people to ever finish it i want to say that year it was like 1900 miles or something stupid like that and he's a lacrosse resident where i live and and nice. in fact, if you want to find them, you can probably look for the Gnome 89 license plate and that's, that's him. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking pre-fat bikes, you know, so they may have been welding yeah. rooms together and putting two tires together. We're talking a whole different, a whole different era of equipment too, right? Yeah. There's a, sh- there's two uh, builders in town that do, that were some of the first fat bike builders Two from Alaska. We've got 907 bikes, which is our area code. And then we've got Corvus cycles, which was formerly Fatback. And uh, Corvus is sold through a shop uh, called Speedway, and uh, they're great folks down there. And they uh, they kind of specialize in some of these uh, endurance um, endurance athletes. And uh, they have a wall of all the old uh, original fat bikes through the years. So you just kind of get it's like a little tiny shop, you know, but but you can go in and see those bikes that you're that you're talking about. So you know, it's worth a stop if you're up visiting. So. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this thing up, I ask this to most people in terms of assets, what do you want to see or what do you think is a valuable asset? And what do you like to see in a mountain bike or trail community? I ask it different ways. And this is more of a, like, you know, what are the things you're looking for? Maybe that you want to, maybe that you like in your community that you've seen in other communities online, whatever things that you think are important that make your community, a community, not your community, a community. Great for mountain biking. Yeah, a community for mountain biking is like, so I, I think there's two parts to it. Uh, I think it's a developed or developing trail system, you know, first. And, you know, kind of the scene around it. And we're seeing that develop up here with, with um, you know, the, the, the start with the trails and the excitement of the volunteers and then the maturing into the... Uh, the youth programs and now we have uh you know an in-town bike park that has this awesome patio you can ride the lift up a little tiny little tiny place you know i mean the lift is five minutes like and it's one lift but at the bottom is a patio with fireplaces and a great little restaurant where you can get a nice thai bowl and a beer and uh you know just the community around it um and so I think when I travel, I kind of look for those communities that have developed that already. You know, I was in Bellingham this year, heading to Bend in the fall, um, but I probably wouldn't live in those communities because I can't afford them, you know? So I would look at a community where we're at, which is where that scene is in development, you know, and, and is up and coming, so. Nice. Well, we don't want to popularize it too much because we don't want it to get, we don't want people to get priced out, right? Exactly. Well, Will, before we close this thing up, do you have any uh, closing comments or thank yous or things you want to throw out there before we uh, hit stop on this one? Well, Josh, I just say that um, I've got, I really want to pick your brain about what you're doing down there. So maybe we should have like a, maybe you should have a guest interviewer on your show and, uh, and we can talk about you because, because I've heard your interviews with other people, but this long format might get you uh might get some more out of you. 
Yeah, that has been that has been brought up in the past. I haven't I haven't gone down that path yet, but I'm definitely open to it. So maybe if we want to do another show, we could we could do that for sure. I don't I don't know if we want to fit that one in this show because it's getting. Oh no no no. <laughs> yeah, I think that is that has been asked before. Um, and so yeah, we could probably we could probably pull something like that off. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. No no yeah, I definitely want to pick your brain and have a, a chat longer. Uh, about what's going on with you because it's it's super exciting but um yeah thanks for letting me share um i really love uh the mountain biking in south central alaska i recommend folks come on up and play but like i said just have a list of 10 things to do and plan on doing three whatever whatever's good that week so having the ability to pivot from one to the next right so you can make sure you can get something done right yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so. well, I really appreciate the uh, the level of energy and excitement you brought to this. I think that really comes through in the audio with this, and and I it's it's awesome to have guests like you on this show because it's really what makes makes these things possible. So cool. I appreciate that, yeah. and I appreciate everything you're yeah. doing and and incorporating the volunteers. Yet get it, you know realizing that we have to evolve into the whole paid stuff because that's that's kind of where people stall out sometimes, and you got to push through that barrier, and and you've done it so. I appreciate you sharing that with the, with the masses We're working as well. on it, so. so Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, um, yeah. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to the Trail Effect Podcast on Apple or Spotify, Please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliate links tab at the Trail Effect website, where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.traileffectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which will help keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening.